Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Episode 52, About Cinema and About the Filibuster. Earlier this week, Kirsten Cinema announced that she was leaving the Democratic Party and officially registering as an independent. Naturally, this has caused a lot of people concern. A lot of people have questioned her motives. And at first, I thought this was bad news. And I wasn't really happy to hear that she was making this change. And since that initial reaction, I've had a chance to go back and look over some things. And when it comes to Senator Cinema, you really don't know what you're getting with her because she has changed her opinions or evolved, if you will, over the years. And there are a couple of things that we can learn from that. So I thought I would just spend a little bit of time on Senator Cinema. She was born in July of 1976 and she started her political career in Arizona in the Green Party. And then she became a Democrat, ran for the Senate, and I believe the seat that she won was Jeff Flake's seat. He was a Republican, if I recall correctly. I think he was. And he basically retired or went on to do other things. I seem to remember that he was at some point critical of Donald Trump while he was president, and I guess that just couldn't be tolerated. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else, but that's kind of what I'm remembering. So she's been a Democrat, and now she's an independent. The good news is that she has indicated that she is not going to caucus with the Republicans. So she still kind of counts as a Democrat. And she will be now one of three independents in the Senate who are caucusing as uh, with the Democrats. And, and the other two are Bernie Sanders of Vermont and... Um, Angus King of Maine. So we've got three independents and they're all, they all work with the Democrats. 
So you might wonder why the change? Well, honestly, cinema is a socially liberal senator, but she becomes very conservative when it comes to money, and especially when that money involves the wealthy or corporations. She is in love with capitalism. She thinks it's just the greatest thing in the world. Even though we don't really have capitalism in the United States because capitalism requires competition in the marketplace and there are a lot of industries in a lot of areas in the United States where we don't have competition and that is because we have allowed big corporations to merge, buy up their competition, and command control over their market. That's something that we need to stop. And we need to break up some of these big mega corporations. Some may remember back in the 1980s when AT&T was broken up. AT&T had all of the phone companies, or most of them. There was General Telephone, I think was a competitor. But most of the telephones in the country were AT&T. And then there was Southern Bell or Bell South and Southwestern Bell. And they ended up breaking all of that apart. And, of course, now a lot of it has kind of merged back together again, but that's happened with media, with the radio stations and television stations, which is why our news media today is, <laughs> well, you can't always depend on them to give you the full truth. I'll just put it that way. And that's because they're all owned, or most of them, the majority of them are owned by a big corporation with the board of directors and shareholders, and they all have an agenda. So their news departments have to sometimes tiptoe very carefully around certain subjects that members of the board or big shareholders might not want them to talk about too much. Cinema believes that the rich should pay very, very few taxes. Why is beyond me. Um, <laughs> a socially liberal person, I would think, would want billionaires to pay their fair share. If you have a person working in retail earning... X amount of money per year and they're paying, let's just say, to make it easy, let's just say they're paying 15% of their total income in taxes, why wouldn't a millionaire pay at least that much? Why would a millionaire only be paying 2 or 3% or sometimes zero? 
doesn't make any sense. But it does when you start looking at the money because you realize the way our system is set up, the Supreme Court has allowed bribery of politicians in this country. And that's just the, that's just the bottom line. Bribery is normally considered to be a bad thing. It's normally illegal. But when it comes to politics, money's free speech, corporations are people, and bribery is legal. Anyway, she is very much in love with capitalism. And the main reason I believe that she switched She's come out with advertising. She has videos running on Twitter and in other places of explaining her, her, her change to the uh, independent, to being an independent. And most of the voters who are registered in Arizona are registered as independents. The independents do outnumber the Republicans and the Democrats in Arizona, as well as pretty much the entire country. Overall, when you add up all, of, when you look at all the 50 states, there are more registered independents than there are Republicans or Democrats. And because of her voting record, she has lost support of a lot of the Democrats in the state of Arizona. She had a couple of groups who really worked hard to get her elected to the Senate. And because of some of her votes that were very disappointing to those groups, they have now come out and said that they no longer support her and will make sure that she is primaried. And she's up for re-election in 2024. So she's got two years to fix this problem. And the polling, as good as it is or as bad as it is these days, the polling shows that the, the, the person who would most likely be her challenger in a primary for the Democratic uh, primary for the, that Senate seat would be a, a, a guy by the name of Ruben Gallego. And I think that's the way it's pronounced. His last name is spelled G-A-L-L-E-G-O. Right now, he is a representative for Arizona's 7th District. He's a former Marine. He is pretty well known around the state of Arizona and apparently very well liked. And he is polling consistently way, way, way ahead of cinema. And there's a couple of reasons for this. Cinema was one of the senators who obstructed Joe Biden's Build Back Better plan, which would have provided a lot of benefits to a lot of people. And we kind of got a whittled down version of it, but if the original version of Build Back Better had passed, 
it would have made a huge difference to a lot of people in, in the country. But she, yeah, she, she didn't want to go along with that. She also loves the filibuster in the Senate. And for those who don't know about the filibuster, I'll start off by saying that the filibuster is just a Senate thing, and it's not part of the Constitution. It is a Senate rule that was adopted years ago. And if you go back and look at its history, it was racist in nature because the white supremacists in the Senate at the time would use it to prevent black uh, rights for black people from being passed. And the Senate has a tradition of unlimited debate. And that has allowed for the use of what they call the filibuster, which is a term for basically prolonging debate on the Senate floor. And the intent of this is to delay or to prevent a vote on a bill, a resolution, amendment, or other debatable question before the Senate. And because senators have such a limited amount of time on the Senate floor, you know, they do have to go out and campaign and take lunches with their... um, supporters, (laughs) lobbyists, corporate owners. They just, they don't have a lot of time to stand around or sit around and listen to a senator filibuster something. So the act of wanting to filibuster something basically puts a bill on the back burner so that they can bring other things to the floor that have a better chance of being passed. And it's been used in a manner that allows the minority party to essentially kill bills because they get stuck on the back burner and then they never seem to get back to that bill again. So it's been, it's been misused over the years. And the... Senate, prior to 1917, the rules didn't provide a manner in which you could end debate and force a vote on a measure. So that year, the Senate adopted this rule that would allow two-thirds of a majority to end a filibuster. And that is a procedure that's known today as cloture. In 1975, the Senate reduced the number of votes required for cloture from two-thirds of the senators voting to three-fifths of all senators duly chosen and sworn, which is 60 
of the 100-member Senate. Initially, when a senator wanted to filibuster something, they had to stand on the Senate floor and debate, have a conversation for hour after hour after hour. And that has been changed over the years to where all a senator has to do now is just indicate that they're going to filibuster something, and that pretty much puts a stop to it. And it's my understanding that they don't even have to get up on the floor in front of the Senate and make a big announcement. It's my understanding, and I could be wrong on this, but it's my understanding that they can even send an email or a text, uh, I suppose, to the Senate leader and just tell them I'm filibustering this bill. And that's that. So, as you can tell, there is a lot of opportunity to misuse that process. So, it's kind of an outdated um, procedure, and it is responsible for a lot of legislation not being voted on in the Senate. And some of it is good legislation and some of it is probably bad legislation. But I really feel like we need to know how senators are voting. Because the way it is right now, a senator that might be from a district where a particular bill would be beneficial, but that senator really doesn't want to vote for it because he has corporate donors who would prefer to, you know, be able to dump their toxic waste in the community's water supply without having to worry about cleaning it up or anything like that. And so this would be a very unpopular vote for that senator if they voted against this bill (laughs) because they know that their constituents would like to have clean water without a bunch of toxic chemicals in it. And that's just an example, but if another senator filibusters that bill, then they're off, they don't have to worry about it. You know, they can say, oh, you know, never came to the floor. I would have been happy to vote for it, of course, because it's best for my community. And, of course, their corporate donors don't really care that if it doesn't go through, it doesn't go through, and it doesn't affect them, and they can continue to dump their toxic waste into the public water supply. (laughs) So it's something that probably they either need to make it more difficult to filibuster by returning the floor debate requirement. But they're, you know, a lot of the folks in the Senate don't want to do that either. So she's big on the filibuster She's big on capitalism. She's big on making sure that the wealthy in the country can keep as much of their money as possible and not pay uh, taxes. And she was actually officially censored by the Arizona Democratic Party for keeping that Senate filibuster rule. So... 
she can see the writing on the wall. She's lost the support of the Democrats, the, the majority of them, in Arizona. And there's no place else for her to go, really. The Republicans aren't going to want her. She has a voting record that is, in many cases, quite good. She's voted with uh, Biden on his bills um, 90 plus, 90, 93% of the time. And she has voted for 100% of Joe Biden's judicial nominees. She voted twice to convict Donald Trump and remove him from office. She voted to support the nomination of Katanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. She voted against confirming uh, Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. And probably most notably, one of the things most will remember is she voted against increasing the minimum wage. Remember the little display on the Senate floor where she walked up and did her thumbs down thing. Yeah. She was trying to do what what, uh, John McCain did on the Senate floor one time. So, bottom line, probably not a lot is going to change in the next two years. Other than we might see some folks in the House actually vote with Democrats. So there may be more things getting through the House than we might expect. And the reason for that is because in this midterm election, A lot of the folks that Donald Trump supported lost, lost their elections. Kind of a rejection of Trumpism. And some of these areas, some of these congressional districts, have moved a little bit more toward the blue side. And there are some Republicans now in in the House that were reelected in districts that supported Biden over Trump and are now leaning more toward the blue side. So they know, these Republicans know, if they want to keep their seats, they're going to have to vote with the Democrats a little more. They can't vote against women's rights and they can't vote against same-sex marriage or things like that because those are things that the majority of the American people want. Most of the American people want women to be able to make their own health care choices without interference from the government. And most of the American people want people to be able to marry whoever they want. If they, if they love them and they want to get married, they ought to be able to do it without government influence. And the religious zealots 
that feel that they have the right to shove their religious beliefs down everybody else's throats are just, they're wrong. They're wrong. We have a thing about not establishing a particular religion in this country, which means we cannot make laws and legislation based on religious beliefs. And we're beginning to see that that is coming into play more and more and more. And freedom of religion is a two-way street. You can practice your religion as you see fit as long as you don't interfere with somebody else. And so now we're, we're seeing, because we have a Supreme Court that has apparently forgotten that they're not supposed to legislate from the bench and they've forgotten this little clause about uh, separation of church and state, they're beginning to legislate based on religious beliefs. And I think that that is going to backfire on them because you cannot start excluding one religion over the other. And if people have an objection to something because of their personal beliefs based on religion, well, you know, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people that are going to practice another religion and they're going to find that these new rules that are being made are offensive to their religious beliefs. So we'll see where that goes. But I think that uh, we're going to find that there's going to be a few Republicans in the House that are going to start voting a little more with the Democrats because they know that they're going to have to do it to keep their seat if they're up for re-election. And, of course, House members are up for re-election in two years again. So, and the thing about it is, is the Republicans, the Republican Party, and whoever is going to be leading the House and the Republicans in the House, they're going to let them do that because they're, they know that they're going to lose those seats if they start voting with these extreme right-wing fantasy conspiracy people that we've got in the Republican Party right now. So, and it's not unheard of to have people switch parties. That does happen fairly regularly. So it's not all that unusual that cinema would change parties. We've had others do the same thing. So it's very possible that there may be some Republicans in districts or in areas that seem like they're moving more toward blue than red that may decide that they may need to do that if they want to keep their seat. And they can just say that the Republican Party has just gone too far to the right, which a lot of people have said that it has. So probably not a whole lot to worry about as far as things changing in the next couple of years. I imagine that cinema is going to continue to vote the way that she has in the past, which is going to mostly benefit the Democratic Party. But when she votes for, you know, when she obstructs things like the Build Back Better and getting rid of the filibuster and things like that, that is more of a benefit to the 
Republicans than it is to the Democrats. So bottom line, probably nothing to lose sleep over right now. We'll just kind of keep an eye on her and see what she's going to do. But, but the main reason for switching right now is to try to protect her position so that she can keep her seat in two years. And a lot of people have said that that's going to help the Republicans, while others have said that that's going to help the Democrats. And any polling that's done right now, honestly, is worthless because two years is eternity in politics. So a lot can change, but it could go either way. If the Republicans continue to put up these insane, fringe, extreme, right-wing, fantasy, conspiracy candidates like Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham, two candidates who ran for seats in the midterms in Arizona, and they both lost, although Carrie Lake is, I guess, has now filed a lawsuit. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but uh, I think that they're just too extreme for a lot of folks in Arizona, and most of the independents probably will not vote for Republicans if they continue to put these crazy people out there. And given the choice of an independent or a Democrat, it could go either way. So it just depends on which way that the vote goes. She's either going to split the vote of the Republicans or she's going to split the vote of the Democrats. But it's really too soon to, to see. But uh, anyway... Right now, probably nothing to worry about, but keep an eye on her. We know that she is in love with her corporate donors and her millionaire donors. And so there you are. I thought I would include a little bit about the filibuster since that seems to be one of the main things that has caused Kirsten Cinema to lose support in Arizona and across the country. And as I said earlier, the filibuster is not part of our Constitution. It was created by the Senate itself and it is based in a Jim Crow era racist time in this country. And the intent was to keep the minority, which at the time was people of color, in place. Out of the 50 states that we have in this country, the 50 state legislatures do not require filibuster. The United States House of Representatives does not have a filibuster. 
our democracy, democracy is designed with the intent that the majority rules. So a majority should be enough to actually get things done in the Senate, but it's not. It was intended to keep the white supremacists in control And over the years, the filibuster has been utilized over and over and over and over and over again to suppress the will of the people in this country who have voted and elected people to advance things like workers' rights, uh, civil rights, uh, Things like, uh, oh, immigration, perhaps things like uh, environmental causes. In short, things that actually move the country forward and get us out of the dark past. And now the filibuster, as it is currently used in the Senate, basically limits passage of bills on the issues that, were, that I just mentioned. And in the Senate, the things that require 60 votes are things like if we need to fix voting rights issues or if we need to address things like uh, employment rights, workplace safety, things like that. The, you know, <laughs> the Republicans can pass tax cuts for zillionaires with just 51 votes. The last big tax cut for zillionaires and corporations was the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, and that was passed using the Senate's Reconciliation Parliamentary Procedure, which means that uh, it just requires... 51 votes, and it has to have something to do with money, I think, is, is the requirement for the reconciliation part. Um, the Supreme Court can get stacked with extreme right-wing justices with just 51 votes. So, if we can pass a tax cut for millionaires, billionaires, and zillionaires with just 51 votes, and if we can put Supreme Court justices on a stacked court and stack it even worse with just 51 votes, why is it that things like voting rights or, I don't know, <laughs> things that are of importance to a lot of American families, why is it that we have to hit 60 I really think it's time for the filibuster to go. I think that uh, we ought to 
be able to see how our representatives and our senators vote. They ought to bring the bills to the floor and give them an up or down vote and let the senators stand on their voting record instead of hiding behind a bunch of excuses for why something didn't go through, which I hear all the time on the news. Somebody will ask about a bill, why it didn't pass, what the problem is, and they always blame it on somebody else, or it was filibustered, we couldn't do anything about it. Stalled in committee, whatever. So I think we really need to get rid of the filibuster. And the thing about it is, is the Democrats are so reluctant to do it. But I really think if the Republicans had something important that they wanted to shove through the Senate, they would not hesitate for a second to get rid of the filibuster if they needed to in order to get enough votes. So that's just a little bit about the filibuster. I I probably should do a another podcast on that, uh, but I'm trying to keep this short and keep it relatively condensed as far as topics so I can try to get some of these things off of my list of, of, of podcasts that I would like to record for you all to listen to. Again, thank you for your time. I just finished editing this podcast and I wanted to confirm one thing and clarify something else. The thing I wanted to confirm was that the seat that Senator Sinema occupies was occupied by Republican Senator Jeff Flake prior to Sinema taking that seat. And he was indeed highly critical of Donald Trump, which definitely caused some issues for him. Joe Biden nominated Flake to be the United States ambassador to to Turkey on July 13th, 2021. On September 28th of that year, a hearing on his nomination was held before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee On October 19th, his nomination was reported favorably out of committee. On October 26th, Flake was confirmed by the Senate by voice vote, and Vice President Kamala Harris swore Flake in as the ambassador to to Turkey on December 10th, 2021. And the thing I wanted to clarify was earlier when I was talking about the filibuster and I was talking about senators, I know that I referred to the senators as he, and I don't mean, didn't mean to slight the female senators. We certainly have some very good female senators in the Senate today, and we could use a few more, in my opinion. But I was thinking of a specific example when I was discussing that, and the senator involved was a man, so I was saying he, but I didn't want to I didn't want to get into that part of it. I was just trying to use it as an example. So I wanted to make sure that everybody knew I wasn't trying to slight 
women in any way by saying he, because I do realize that there are female senators as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Mm-hmm.